Well, praise the Lord. Turn to 1 Corinthians, if you would. Man, it's a blessing to be here with you tonight. I've loved the singing already and getting to lift a voice. I, 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 I like the video. I wish it wasn't in our history. Um, I do. I do. I wish that that didn't happen. Um, but, uh, boy, I'll tell you what. If there's ever been a cause 20 years ago, ever been a call for righteousness, it's now. And it's in God's churches. It's not in the, out in the public. It's here. And you know, if you're one of God's churches, and I don't know if you know this or not, but I think you do, you are, um, it's here in these churches. A call for righteousness. That's the best way to fight the war that we're facing. Amen. This land's not healed because now I believe in a strong military. I like serving my country. Amen. And I believe in having a bigger gun and using it. That's probably going to get axed on Facebook or whatever, but I'm just telling you, that's the reason you got a military. It ain't set back and flip tiddlywinks at each other. Amen? Uh, I believe in all that. But save this country, it's going to be inside of God's churches repenting. If my people. Amen? You're going to have to know that. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to invoke that. We're going to, if it's somebody else's water, we're going to share. Amen? I'm just letting you know. Amen? But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it's an interesting uh, book, and I've just begun a, uh, another study on this uh, just in recent uh, days and began preaching through it at our church, and the Lord laid this on my heart to preach when your pastor called and asked if I'd uh, fill in and preach tonight and, and uh, um, immediately give me this message to preach. And... It all comes from this. Paul here starts out in 1 Corinthians. He's going to lay out a, 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 a diagram or he's going to show you how to have a church and he's going to show you how to have basic Christianity. Uh, throughout, that's First and Second Corinthians. You say, well, 1 Corinthians, he's dealing with all the sins of the church at Corinth. I understand. You and I have sins. Churches have sin in them because they're built to, of sinners. Amen? It's going to happen. And he's showing how to deal with it in church, at the church of Corinth, but we can take it and, and apply it personally, and we can understand, hey, look, this is where we're at. But the first couple of chapters are unique in this fashion that he makes a case that we ought to pay attention to God, and we ought to rely on God's wisdom and not ours. That's the whole beginning. If you want to serve God, if you want to do anything, you're going to have to understand that you've got to rely on God's wisdom and give up on yours. That's just where we're at. Now, I know there might be some in here who think you're pretty smart. And there's no, no, there's no doubt sitting here tonight that you're way smarter than I am. I ain't even going to try to compete with you. That, that would be foolish on my part. But I want you to understand something. You'll do nothing for God if you think you can do it yourself. If you go in man's wisdom, you're done before you ever get started. And I believe that's where a lot of folks are at. That's the reason we're in the shape we're in. We all can read the Bible. Amen. Most of us here, amen, can read the Bible. Some of the little ones, I, you know, I understand they haven't got there yet. We can read the Bible. And the Bible says, if my people, it's all about His people. His eyes and His ears are attentive to this place. He's waiting for us to repent to heal our land. Second Chronicles 7, 10 through 16 explains it. 
Too many people just go to verse 14 and miss it. Because we're looking for the whole world to repent. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's going to have to be inside of God's house. And we've got to understand that. And Paul here gives us a great, a great layout to understanding this one. I'm just going to hit one principle tonight. And by the way, the more nervous I am, the longer I preach. He said I was really, really nervous. Amen. No. If I'm really, really nervous, usually it's two hours minimum. Amen. No. Hallelujah. We'll be done in three hours, really. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you would, and if you'd stand for the reading of God's Word, I appreciate it. I know that's your custom. Verse number 18, and I like it. Amen. That's exactly how it should be. I stand for that flag when it comes by. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Uh, but I stand for the reading of God's Word. Hallelujah. Amen. Nothing wrong with that. Verse 18. <clears throat> for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews, a stumbling block, and under the Greeks, foolishness. But under them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Now, Father, we need Your help tonight. Like every other time and every day and every second, Lord, we cannot exist. We can't do what's right before You without You. And may God, we never try, but Father, we do. And may God help us to repent when we do. Now, Father, we need you tonight to understand this message. I pray that you'd do all the speaking. Lord, I'd just be a voice tonight. You'd fill me with your spirit, fill this place. For Lord, we need the message. We need to hear this. We need to get it. I pray we will. Lord, help our hearts to be so soft and tender. Lord, that we would understand. And Father, we would get the love you have for us. And that your wisdom is greater than anything we could ever come up with. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for salvation. And may, Lord, we honor you in everything. In Christ's name, amen. And you may be seated. Thank you. Now, I want you to stay with me tonight. Don't be wandering off into whatever land you wander off in, in your mind. Let's stay with the Word of God. Everything that's going on, out here and outside of this room, that's all right. 
It's going to go on. It's going to happen. We're in God's house, and we're, we're going to hear God's message. We've sang God's hymns. We've sang praises to Him. Amen. We've shouted. We've given offerings. We've, 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 we've uh, uh, been blessed with fellowship. Uh, so we're here, and all that is good, but we need to hear the Word of God. We need to understand that the Word of God is greater than all other things. All the, muster, the songs we can muster, all the praise we can do, all the things, the fellowship we can have, the Word of God is greater than that. So we want to understand the first thing tonight is it's, it's for the glory of God. The wisdom God gives to us and allows us to have, it's for His glory. Because God is wiser than man. Now you say, preacher, I know that already. That's great. God is wiser than man. Well, it's wonderful, but if we know it, then we should live like it. You say, how do you live that God is wiser than man? He's right and I'm wrong. Amen. He's right and I'm wrong. Yeah, but preacher, I'm not wrong. You already just got a defiant attitude. Amen. I mean, this, this, is, this is reality. Because if you're going to argue with God that you're equally right or even close to right like Him, you've already got a defiant attitude inside of you that it's going to have to be dealt with if you're going to come to the realization that God is wiser than man, which is you. That His wisdom is greater than your wisdom. Or any wisdom you could ever muster, His wisdom is greater than that. Amen. See, we live in a world where we have an antichrist religion going on. And this religion is saying that I'm equal with God, that, that I can think and I can put together ideas that are equal with God and His Word. That I can decide what God's Word says and apply it to my life the best way I know how, and that's the best way to serve God, and it's right because it's for me. That's an antichrist religion. I mean, doesn't the Bible say in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Uh, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Isn't that a direct quote of the Bible? Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6, Right? See, right there, God, on these popular verses, God said, your understanding don't cut it. Your wisdom don't get it. And when you build your own ideas, when you build your own thought process, and I'm not saying that we can't think, but God has thought for us already. God has produced His Word that is greater than we are. And Paul here, in this first set of uh, first of Corinthians, he's established that before he ever teaches on sin, before he ever teaches on all the, the, the debauchery that's in the church at Corinth, before he can ever correct them, he's got to get them to see that he has to trust God's Word more than what you can think. See, that's a critical part if you're ever going to serve God with His power. I mean, he goes through and he says, the power of God, the wisdom of God. Don't you want the power of God in your life? Isn't that a desire again? Don't you hunger and thirst after that? Oh, the power of God. Where did it go? How come it's not long for anymore? Shouldn't we desire to see the power of God over anything else? Oh, I tell you what, I like to get up and sing with my daughter. It's not pretty. Amen? 
but I like to sing with her. I enjoy that. She plays the piano and sings really well, and then she lets me sing with her. But you want to know something? It's not about the fact that I'm up there singing. It's about him, and he said, sing praises unto him. How could I ever show my daughter the way of Christ if I'm not willing to sing praises to him? You say, well, if it don't sound good, that ain't the point. I want them to sound good, and we work on it. Trust me, she is a taskmaster. Oh, my goodness. She plays the piano by ear, so she hears the notes that I can't sing. And she's hateful. Amen? You ought not treat your dad the way she treats sometimes. We shouldn't do this song, Dad. It doesn't sound good. You can't do it. That's encouraging. She's not been, she don't really get the edifying thing yet, but she, the honesty she's got, she's got. But you've got to understand, it's not about me. It's about the fact that, and you want to know something? When, when we sing, and we sing unto God, it works. I don't sound as good as some of you, some, any of you probably, but it don't sound like that. But, but, it, but it works, and it glorifies God and and people, and by no means am I saying just get up and say, I'm saying work on it, do the best you can. And we do. We work as hard as we can. We work hard to, to get the thing right. And because it's for God, it's not for us. It's not that I'm trying to look good as a singer. Heavens. <laughs> I give that up years ago. Amen. It's just like preaching. I'm not up here trying to look good to you as a preacher. You say, well, that's a good thing, preacher. Good. Amen. It doesn't bother me in the least. It's about God and His wisdom. It's not about what I can muster and make you think, look how smart uh, Brother Mackey is. So we got to see that it's for the glory of God. And Paul lays this out, and he tells us in the first part of Corinthians here, he tells us that, that look, it's not about... You. I mean, in the first part there, he goes through and he, he decides, uh, he, he declares in verse 12, he says, every one of you saith, I'm a Paul, I'm a Paulus, I'm a Cephas, I'm a Christ. I mean, he even, he even points out the wisdom, that's man. Man wants to say, well, I'm, I'm with pastor. <laughs> well, I hope you are. Amen? Well, I'm going with so-and-so. Well, I'm with so-and-so. Well, I'm with my Sunday school teacher. Well, I'm with Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, that's what's going on. And God here, Paul lines it out and he says, look, is Christ divided? See, he says, you've got the wisdom of man where man stands up and says, well, I'm with, I'm with so-and-so, well, that's just great. No, no, understand, Paul says here, he says, he says, the wisdom of God or the truth is, is Christ divided? Because what you're saying, although it sounds noble, although it sounds spiritual, is not in the wisdom of God, it's what you come up with in your mind. And he's explaining this to them, and he's got to explain this to them because they'll never get what he's going to teach in the chapters to come and the instruction that needs and the cleaning up of their life that needs to take place. They'll never get it unless they get the understanding that he, that he explains that man's wisdom is below God's wisdom. It is not equal with, nor will it ever be equal with. See, notice this. I want, I want to show you this so maybe you'll, we'll get it uh, where, it'll, where it'll pierce our heart and we'll humble ourselves before God again. Look, look at this. The world sees the preaching of the cross as foolishness, doesn't it? I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, where we started, it says, for the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolish. In other words, the world's perishing. Yeah. 
It's on its way out. Lost people see this as foolish. Why do you get up? We, it was amazing. We had that seven-week meeting in Bethany, and, and I had people saying, that's dumb. Why in the world would you go out and do that? Why would you go out there and, 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 and take up seven weeks? I mean, I'm not just talking. There was, there was some preachers that thought it was, was foolish. I got, I got to thinking, well, maybe we really went the wrong way. And, and I'm not saying you ought to have a seven-week meeting. I don't know if we'll ever get to have a seven-week meeting again. We might not be at the place, in, in the church I'm in. We might not ever be in the place we could handle it. That church up there was ready for it. It was time. God had something that needed to be done and needed to work in that community, and he done it. But I'm not saying it's ready, because you've got to be ready for stuff like that. Whatever you do, I don't care if it's a day meeting, which I'm kind of sick of those, but a day meeting, uh, amen, uh, you've got to have God's wisdom on it. But we went up there and had that meeting, and people were saying, this foolish, you shouldn't do this, shouldn't go into this. And the first week we had the meeting, there was this little girl. She was a teenager to school, and she got saved. And, and I love this. She come in, she accepted Christ as her Savior, and I didn't know she was popular at the school. Amen? But she was popular. And she went back, and I guess she told everybody at school. Because the teenagers started coming. And they started coming. And parents were dropping them off outside the church and saying, hey, is this where Lindsay goes? And I was like, well, yeah. This is where Can we leave our kid? And I was like, how long? <laughs> You'd be amazed. They thought, they thought it was like a week-long camp. No, they, 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 and, and they'd say, okay, well, they'd come. Well, the kids started getting saved. They'd come forward at the invitation. We'd deal with them, lead them to Christ. And, and she didn't know what was going on. She didn't realize. She just got saved. She just got in church. They started coming and started getting in. And then it was neat because the, 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 the kids must have went home and started talking about it. And I'm not going to tell you I'm writing a book on this because I have no idea. We just hung on with God. And the kids must have went home and started talking about it to the parents because the parents, they started coming. They started coming in. Well, Lindsay's mom got saved. Amen. She started coming. Well, all these other parents started. And even the parent that dropped the kid. There's one little kid. They, they brought him. He was a younger one. And he, the dad pulled up and says, uh, my boy wants to come here because is this where Lindsay? Yeah, this is where Lindsay. My boy wants to come for the Can he come and we not come? And I said, well, sure. I said, he's welcome, but you're welcome too. He says, no, we just want to drop him off. I said, great, bring him in. He gets saved. Well, then his mom and dad come to church. His dad gets saved, amen. And, but over those, two, over those seven weeks, we had 25 teenagers come to Christ. It was, it was over 25 that come to Christ. It's because this little, they all sense foolishness. For two years, we were seeing people come to church and get saved and, 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 and uh, added to church and baptized. Two years, it went on. Just like that. Just kept on. It was like, wow, did you see that? We'd come, we'd come from service. We'd be praying. Two o'clock in the morning, we're praying. And, and, and people would show up at the church. I had one guy, he'd scare the daylights out of me. I'd be in the church at night, middle of the night. It's dark upstairs. There, and he comes in, and he's great big. He comes in the church, and, and I heard the noise. And I go out there, and he comes, and he, I meet him in the hall, and it's dark. And he's there going, I said, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> and he said uh, he says, well, preacher, I just thought we ought to pray. And he says, I figured you'd be down here. And he says, can we pray? Oh, we prayed for, I don't know how, I can't tell you. I, I can't tell you how long we just got down and started praying. Because God's wisdom is wiser than man's wisdom. Man says, oh, don't worry about doing that stuff. People get saved. You don't have to have that meeting. I had so many people say, you don't have to do that. 
You don't have to be that way. You don't have to. You don't have to be spiritual. You don't have to be faithful. You don't. The world says it's foolish. If you preach the cross, it's foolish. You know why they say it's foolish? Because they can't see Christ. You sitting here and you're saved, amen? We can see Him, can't we? Amen? In my mind, I can see Him. I can see Him in that book. It's just as real and alive. The more you get in that book, the more that book comes alive. And it's alive. And you can see Him and you can understand, hey, there's a reason why when we sing about grace, a tear gets in your eye. There's a reason you get choked up when we start talking about how, how God died for us. Amen? About the blood. Amen? Just mention the blood and it'll get the best of you. There's a reason. Amen? And it's because the, we can see Christ, but the world cannot see Christ. And in their wisdom, they don't see it. They don't see the cross. They don't see Him crucified. They don't see Him raising three days later. They don't see any of that. If you're here tonight and you're lost, you don't see that. Amen? You say, well, I just think you're a nut. Yeah, that's the reason. There you go. Well, I think this is foolish people coming together and singing at the top of their lungs. I love that too. Man, when you sing, let her rip. That was awesome tonight. I was good. I was about ready to take a lap. I know that's not kosher, but I, that, was, that was awesome. You sing about the grace of God, that lights me up because, man, I don't have anything. All I've got is the grace of God. <laughs> Amen. My ACT score wasn't that good. Amen. I'm just telling you. Uh, it's never been known to me to be the wise one in the bunch. But I'll understand, I want you to understand this. With grace, though, with grace, though, I got God's wisdom. Because that grace, I can see things His way. See, this is the difference. The world cannot see Christ. They cannot see. They see it as foolish. They see this as foolish. And it's because they do not understand. Look at this. Look in verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. If you go with that wisdom, if you go with what they're using uh, to understand what we're doing, you're going to see it destroyed. You're going to see it fall apart. That's what God says. That's what God's showing to the Corinthians because the Corinthians at church at Corinth, they were trying to operate on man's understanding. And it wasn't working. And Paul come to help them straighten this out and to show them that, hey, you've got to go with God's wisdom. You've got to go with things you're not going to really understand in your flesh, but you're going to see it through the, through the grace and the blood of Christ, you'll understand and see it there, but you won't in your flesh. Verse 20, it says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? I mean, he clearly says that God made it that way. If Christ is the wisdom, I mean, verse 24, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, why would we go with the world? And how could you ever say that the world had anything to offer that would be wise and prudent when God clearly says that Jesus Christ is the wisdom and power of God? How? How could we do that? How could it ever make sense? But yet we do it time after time after time because we come in and we say, you know what? I'll do this, I'll do that. Well, the Bible says you go to church. Amen. Doesn't it say forsake not to assemble themselves together? As a matter of something? I know things come up, but you know what I found out? People in their own mind will take those things and justify them. I had an old preacher, I heard him say, don't call in sick, crawl in sick. Now I know in the day we're living in, I understand. Amen. I mean, you've got to understand you're in a super spreader tonight, right now. Amen. But I'm just telling you that 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 
We make excuse. Well, it just didn't work out to make it to church. Why don't we go the other way? It didn't work out not to go to church. By the way, if NFL keeps you from going to church, this is personal, then you didn't watch that video and what them bozos are doing right now. Amen. Oh, selfish ingrates. They won't salute that flag. They won't honor that. Amen. And you honor them. Well, we'll get off of that. Amen. Let's go back. Doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah. Doesn't make sense, does it? A lot of things don't make sense. Look at this. Go over to Romans chapter 1. Hold your place in Corinthians. We'll be back. I know I probably lost most of you. <laughs> nah, some of you with the NFL comment. I used to watch them. But you know what? I made a decision. That was stupid what they're doing. The country that makes them millionaires, and they're turning their back on it. Go play in Russia and see what you make. Go to Afghanistan and see what you make over there. Matter of fact, go right now. Amen. I know. That's hateful, isn't it? i got to quit that stuff. Romans chapter 1, be loving, compassionate, yeah, I know. Romans chapter 1, I love this country and I love the people and I love the folks that give their life for it. And I don't count it as not. They give their life so I can preach the gospel. That's what God does. It's what He's doing. Romans chapter 1, I don't care who understands that or doesn't understand that. I've got this freedom so I can preach the gospel and go out to the houses and door to door and tell everybody about Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Romans chapter 1, look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. See, this, and this is talking about worldly religion, worldly ideas trying to say this is God. This is, this is what God said. Thus saith the Lord. Amen. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shooted unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There's no excuse for not believing in God. No excuse. He says it. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. You know why? Because they took and they said, the word of God says this, but if I mix my, my wisdom with it, if I mix my understanding with it, and I produce a doctrine or I produce a principle that I live by, that'll be better. That's the basis of what they're saying. Look at this. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. In other words, they took God's wisdom and brought it down to man's wisdom. Made like to corruptible men and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creepy things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor themselves, uh, their own bodies between themselves. Now, understand this. I'll stop there. But they took, God said, if you want to make your own religion, then I'm going to give you over to that. If you don't want to listen to the Word of God and put the wisdom of God way above the wisdom of man, then I'm going to let you have that. 
Saddest thing in the world. You ever notice this? I learned when I was working with cows back years ago that, that, that if the old cow's going the way you want her to go, leave her alone. I mean, I know on Hollywood TVs, they got the, 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 the cowboys out there and they got the whips and they're cracking them and they're yelling and they're hollering. Amen. You don't do that. If the cow's going the way you want it to go, don't mess with her because she'll go a different way. So why in the world, if you're going the way the devil wants you to go, why would he mess with you? He understands. And God says, okay, now the Holy Spirit convicts your heart. You know as well as I do, when you start making up your own religion, you start doing the things you want to do, when you start thinking on the way you want to think, and you start producing them in your life, and you start doing those things, and say that it's okay, because it fits your lifestyle, because you like it. When you start doing that, I know the Holy Spirit's convicting you, if you're saved, but know this, God's left you to make the choice. You've got to choose whether or not you're going to serve Him. He will not force you. Oh, He'll chastise you, don't get me wrong. But He will not force you. And if you're going the way that the that, that, that devil wants you to go, He ain't going to mess with you. He ain't going to give you any slack. Really, think back in your life, think recent days, how much has the devil really messed with you lately? And I'm not calling you an old cow, so don't go back and say that. I know how some of you think, he called me an old cow just right there. No. I'm just thinking. Just, just think on it with me. Meditate a little bit here. How much is the devil really messing with your life? You say, well, preacher, I really don't want him to mess with my life. Well, you've got to make a choice. You're going to serve God. The devil's not going to be happy. Satan, you say, well, he's got to get through God to get to me. I understand that, but we know from Scripture, God lets him get through to work with you, and God will use it for his glory and his good, but you've got to decide, am I going with what the devil's going to do, or am I going to go with what God's going to do? And it's, sure, it's in your hands. You have no excuse because the Word of God, how many of you got your Bible tonight? I'm not talking about a face, I mean an iPad or nothing. I'm talking about the old black book, something like that. Yeah, you carry it with you, don't you? We got it. We have the mind of Christ. Amen. Not enough amen slow me down too. He explains here, notice in 1 Corinthians, go back over there if you would please, 1 Corinthians chapter, 10, or chapter 1. He explains here, now remember, this is to get a church on the right path. And I'm not saying that they're on the wrong path. And your pastor's not told me anything like that. I believe you're on the right path. I pray for this church all the time. My family's here, amen. My friends are here. I got folks, I was so thrilled. I love coming over. I do. And the reason I do is because I get to see the same old people I've saw before. Plus new ones. That's encouraging to me. Some churches I go to and there's all new people. Well, where's so-and-so? Well, I'm not saying we don't have casualties, but I'm just saying it's good to see Folks that are supposed to be here. Amen. I appreciate that. And they're friendly. I can't believe how friendly they are to me. That's amazing. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, look what it says. Go to verse 10. He comes back and he says this. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same thing, and that be, there be no divisions among you, but that you, perfect, you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of clothes, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, and back to where we, we was at earlier where we talked about how the division, he goes back and don't notice this. He's reiterating or he's saying here, divisions don't bring glory. 
Divisions don't bring glory. We ought to be of one mind. And you as a church ought to be one mind under the Word of God, under the, under the man of God, under the Word of God. That's where you ought to be. You say, well, I just can't do that. Folks, I'm telling you, you've got to put what you think is wise aside and go with the Word of God. The unity of the church is more important than your opinion. Amen. I know what it is. I haven't always been a pastor. I served under Bob Reagan, which he used to be in this church. Great man of God. Love him dearly. Do you understand? I served under him. I didn't always agree with him. If you notice, we have a little bit different character. A little bit different kind of demeanor, don't we? He's the one who trained me in the Word of God. That's faithful. And sometimes he'd go, well, Brother Mackey, this is how we're going to do it. And Brother Mackey inside goes, oh, really? In my wisdom. But in God's wisdom, it's this, okay. Yep, that sounds like how we do it. You say, you're just worshiping a man. No, 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 no. It's further than Brother Bob Reagan. I wanted to do nothing to jeopardize the power of God in my life. And I know if he, being my pastor, wants to take a wrong step, that's on him. Now, he was never talking about something of going way off into something outside of, uh, of, of holiness or outside of the Word of God. But even then, you better be really careful. Say, why? You don't want to break the unity because God says, how can you be divided and do anything? The devil wants to divide churches. You know why? Because they can't make good decisions then. You get your body hurt, you're going to have a tough time making good decisions. You ever been hurt in a dangerous situation? Flight or fight kicks in, doesn't it? And one or both of them might not be the best thing for the situation, but that's what you do because it's a knee-jerk reaction. Because you're injured or there's a division amongst your body, there's something that has entered in that wasn't supposed to be there. And the same thing with a church and the same thing with the body of Christ. Oh, that we have unity. Oh, that we come together. And it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much to cause a schism or a problem in a church or to cause a division. It doesn't take much. Say, how do you know that, preacher? You ever stubbed your little toe? Amen? You'll speak foreign languages? Amen? You'll almost pass out? You'll ask God to take you in the rapture? If the rapture don't work, just kill me now to stop the pain. Amen? Right? That's just a little toe. That's a little member. And God here is explaining to them that watch the division because divisions do not bring glory. Divisions conquer. Mark chapter 3. We'll be back to 1 Corinthians. Mark 3. Stay with me. It, it, it's coming together, really. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verse 24. Look what Jesus even says. He says, And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. If Satan rise up against himself, he be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. Did you hear what he said? But hath an end. But hath an end. Even Satan, he gives us 
three illustrations here that this division, and Paul was addressing divisions. It's so important that we stay unified. It's so important that we stay together. Say, why? Because the wisdom of man says, I have my own opinion, but the wisdom of God says, let's stay unified. The wisdom of God says, keep unity. Well, I don't like them. Like them anyway. Amen. I've pastored for a lot of years now, and I've seen people be just, can I say dumb? Just, I guess I did. Just dumb. Well, they, and I'm serious as I'm standing here, they looked at me wrong. What is a wrong look? I've asked that. Well, they kind of frowned when they looked at me. Did you brush your teeth? I've asked. That's how foolish this stuff gets. You know as well as I do. And we've got to come, say, why? Because we say as man, they shouldn't look at me. They shouldn't look at me like that. There's something wrong with them. God says, just keep unity. It'll work out. Just keep unity. Make unity more important. That's the wisdom of God. See, because divisions here, and even crisis, divisions conquer. Divisions bring an end. And Paul here, back over to 1 Corinthians, Paul he addresses this with them. In the very first thing, he says, you've got to be unified. You've, you've, you've got to come to the place that you realize that man's wisdom is lower than God's wisdom. And you've got to decide that you're going to follow that. And that's going to be your life. Because if you don't, you're not going to be able to address the problems and have victory over them. A lot of folks in churches trying to get victory over issues. We all got the flesh, so we all got to have challenges trying to get victory over things. Every one of us here, I don't care who it is, from the preacher all the way to whoever, we have challenges in our life that we've got to get victory over. And we'll never do it when we, when we address the situation with man's wisdom. We've got to go to God's wisdom. If you're at aught in the church here tonight, and I don't know if anybody is or not, but if you are, then get back to unity. Say, how do I do that? You get on your face before God and say, God, I'm sorry. You're smarter than I am. And I took a dumb road. Maybe you don't say like that, but... Well, however you'd say it, but you just admit that I'm wrong, you're right, and I'm going to go with you, and I'm asking you to help change my heart. And you want to know something? You're already almost there. Because you've humbled yourself from Almighty God. And what did He say? If you humble yourself, He'll lift you up. Amen. But we've got to come to the place where we say, God, you're smarter than me. You know more about it than me. The, the Bible doesn't, God doesn't need your help or my help with the Word of God. Now, there's some old folks in here, amen? Good. That's, there's good unity. You know better than to say amen right there. But there's some older folks in here. But you want to know something I know for sure? They wasn't around when the Bible was put down, was wrote down. Say, how come? Bible was forever, O oh Lord, then settled in heaven. We know it was in heaven for us on earth. Amen. That's what the Bible says. But you wasn't here 2,000 years ago. Amen. You wasn't here when the Bible was finished up. You wasn't even here when the King James was finished up. Right? So that means this. God never asked you about it. He didn't ask our opinion. I wish He would have. But if I had, I'd have screwed it up. I'd have messed it up. But He didn't, did He? He said, this is how it needs to be. This is how it needs to go. This is my wisdom, and my wisdom's way up here. And you won't get this unless you look through my eyes. And have my mind. Now look at this. 
For the glory of God is why Paul is, is addressing all these things. We know that. But look at this. He comes to the place where he shows that the foolishness of preaching, I mean, the world, the, the world thinks that preaching is foolishness, and the preaching of the cross especially, and he showed how divisions do not bring glory. But then he comes back to verse 24 and he says this, though. This is what really is great because he shows the, the inadequacy of man's wisdom. He shows how far down man's wisdom will take you and how, it's, how it cannot fulfill anything of what the desires of a person that knows God, it cannot fill any of those desires that would be inside of them by the Holy Spirit. It can't fulfill. And he comes to verse 24 and he gives the answer. He said, here's the answer to it. He says, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, those that are called to salvation, answer the call and they say, hey, Lord, you're right, I'm wrong. I, I can't. I can't be saved by myself. I can't save myself. See, if you're saved here today, you all come to that place where you had to say, I can't save myself. You know why you come to that place? Because you went to the end of man's wisdom and it wasn't enough. Amen. Remember back when you got saved? The only thing that, only thing that worked, the only thing that was there was the hope of Christ. Because you've seen you failed. You've seen everything you was trying to do was gone. You've seen it was nothing. I couldn't bring anything before God and say, God, this makes me justified with you. This makes me all right. There was nothing. And when you got saved, you remember back. It might not have been exactly like that, but you remember back. If you're saved here. If you're not saved, you don't remember that because it's, it's not in your past. When you got saved, you come to the place where all you could do is call on Christ. Right? Your wisdom had ran out. It was gone. And you knew it. And here he comes to the place and he says, Jesus Christ. He says, to them that are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. He said, he, and he even goes on and he explains, he says, God's foolishness is wiser than man. Say, God's foolishness? Well, look. Look at this, verse 25. It says, because, and he answers why Christ, is, the power of God and the wisdom of God is greater than the foolishness of man. He answers it in verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So what's the foolishness of God? Preaching of the cross. So what the world says. I mean, really think about it. He's referring back to the preaching of the cross because God has no foolishness by definition. But man understands and this church at Corinth they, they knew, he, Paul knew who he was talking to because he had report of what was going on and he knew that the preaching, you might think the fact that everybody goes out on Saturday mornings or whenever you go out on your visitation, you might think that's foolish. I'd sure be rethinking my thought process and I'd be looking to where I'm thinking from. Amen. Because here he says the foolishness of God is wiser than men. So the foolishness of preaching the cross, the foolishness of going out and delivering the gospel to door to door, or going out and passing out tracts, or being a mouthpiece for God uh, full of salvation and, and, and the cross and the gospel, he says that that foolishness, what you call foolish, what the world calls foolishness of God, is wiser than the best you can do. Amen. He says it's wiser than men. Preacher, I don't like this. I didn't either. Till I said, God, you know what? You're right. It's smarter for me to go out there. It's wiser for me to go out there and tell people about Jesus Christ than to me make an excuse not to. Amen. See, this is not how it is today. 
We think, well, just let's blend man's desire and religion and, and, and the Word of God. Let's blend them together, and that'll be what God wants. Because you know God, He knows. Well, he knows what He wrote. And He even says here, the preaching of the cross, He says preaching Christ, is that would be the foolishness of God. Because He says the foolishness of God, and He addressed it up here, that, perish, that uh, for the preaching of the cross is to them foolishness in verse 18. All right? Then He also says in verse number 25, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Well, what's the weakness of God? Well, the weakness of God, the foolishness is greater than man because preaching Christ is foolish to God. So in, in spite of preaching Christ, we preach self. That's the easiest way to do it. So we preach, so to, to cover preaching Christ because the, because the world says it's foolishness, we, we decide, well, we'll preach self. But God's weakness still overpowers man. You know what God's weakness is? What He addressed earlier. Christ died on the cross. The holy God of heaven, being made a little lower than the angels. You know what the Bible says? And putting Himself at the hands of man. Now, I want you to understand something. God laid Himself down on that cross. Jesus Christ, God the Son of God, laid Himself on that cross. They did not wrestle Him down. He was the Lamb of God. Amen. He laid Himself down there. He went just like a lamb goes to the slaughter. They tell me that a lamb, and I've watched them things, they'll lick the hand of the guy that cuts their throat as they're slaughtering them. You ever seen that? I've been around bulls and hogs. Man, they'll fight when you get ready to shoot them, uh, to butcher them. They'll fight and do everything else. Amen. And then even out, not a lamb. You cut his throat, you lick your hand, lay down and die. Amen. Jesus Christ laid Himself on that cross. They nailed Him down. You say, well, that looks like weakness. To man, it did look like weakness. Even to His own, to the apostles that were there with Him, it looked like weakness, didn't it? Because they wanted Him to rise up and be king. They wanted Him to be above everything else and say, I'm ruling now and tell the Romans to go take a hike, didn't they? They even said, when are you going to do this? I paraphrase that. But they said, when are you going to sit on, the, when are you going to sit on your throne? He says, not for you to know yet. Because there's something that had to happen. Because the weakness of God is stronger than the strength of men, as it says in verse number, is stronger than men. Him dying on the cross was stronger than man. You say, how can you prove that? All right. Stay with me. We're about done. We really are. Stay with me. Here's the thing. When we get saved, all right, somehow God's blood... Jesus Christ's red blood, red blood takes our scarlet sin and makes it white as snow and gives us the strength of God. Right? How's it do it? How's it do it? Yeah, I can't answer it either. I don't know how that works. I don't know how His red blood takes my scarlet sin, makes it white as snow, and gives us the power of God. I don't know how His weakness of making Himself... He could have, he could have thought the thought and wiped out the whole earth and started over before He ever went to the cross. Amen? He's God. But in His weakness, as man saw it, because they saw Him as weakness, even the apostles said, we thought Him to be. 
But he laid himself down that cross. Why? So that we could be strong because he knew in his dying was the power of God and the strength of God. And it become this mighty entity called God's churches here today that have the power, amen, that closed the gates of hell. Amen? And has the ability to move mountains. But it was in his weakness. The weakness of God is stronger than men. See, this is where we get off is because we think, well, you know, and I know that we don't think that here, that, well, he shouldn't have laid his life down like that. See, that's what they was even saying. The apostles, they was with him. But that, that's not how it should have been. He should have took, he should have, even Peter, man, Peter's ready to cut somebody. He cut an ear off, amen? Now, in our human flesh, that's pretty cool. Amen. It is, as long as it's not my ear, right? That's pretty cool. But God said, no, no, that's the foolishness of man, didn't he? He said, that's your strength. Hold on. I'm going to show you strength that you've never seen before. Now, now I'm not going there because I think most of you know. Think about Peter, though. He's on his way. Jesus Christ is risen. He's went back to heaven. He's left Peter in charge there. He, he told him, feed the sheep, feed the lamb, feed the lamb, feed the sheep, feed the sheep. He told him all about it. Now Peter's right there before the, on the day of Pentecost. Amen? Now he gets up. And oh, he speaks. And 3,000 souls come to Christ. You say, well, that's really no big deal. It is to me. But he also, he also... He's on his way to the temple here a little while later, and there's a man there that's lame. And he takes a hold of that man, and he stands up. He says, by the power of God. That's what he told him. And he raised up, and that guy had strength in his legs now. And 5,000 come to Christ, and a multitude come to Christ. See, if Peter would have got his idea, if Peter would have had his way, and Jesus Christ would have said, yeah, get Moucher's head. Cut his head off. Let's win this. Matter of fact, step back. And he put himself on the throne. That was Peter's thinking. Peter would have never known what that was. He'd have never seen the power of God, purpose of God, and 8,000 souls wouldn't have come to Christ. Amen. So just think about what you're doing when you won't give yourself over to God. When you won't yield and say, Lord, you're smarter than me. Think about what you're missing. Because every one of you in here, there is nobody Let's name the name of Christ and saved. Let me tell you, there's nobody that's limited. There's nobody. The power of purpose in God is for every one of you, whether you're young or old. I like to take the little kids in our church and I say, hey, I'll go ask them, will you pray for me? Some of them not even saved. Amen. I'll go to them and say, would you pray for me in this? I say, why? Oh, they'll just go to God so honestly and so purely. No hang-ups. You know why? Because they know it's God. The one that's greater than they are. That knows better than they do. Look at this. We'll finish. God's weakness overpowers man. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, Christ crucified. That's the weakness of God. It was his strength. Man's strength was crucifying Christ. We overcome him. We put him down. He didn't have anything to stand against us. You know... The Sanhedrin was going, ha, look at that. They, you know the Roman soldiers, they, 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 they was, yeah, we, 
Who was this? Now, one of them, he said, surely this was the Son of God. <laughs> a little late, but never too, it was never too late for God. But he, he did say, he did confess that he was the Son of God. But you know, they come in there. They beat him and spit on him and crowned of thorns and mocked him and made fun of him. You say, why? Because they said, who is this? And all the while, they didn't know. They had the foolishness of man, the wisdom of man, which was so weak, they had no idea, did they? They had no idea what they was doing. They had no idea that in his so-called weakness of God, this mighty strength was coming, this mighty power that man couldn't even, they wasn't going to be able to handle. You say, what do you mean? He came out of the grave with soldiers standing right there. The, the soldiers were right there. He made him as dead man, the Bible says. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. But know this, look at verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. He used to think it was great, and God thought something great of me when he called me to be a preacher. Then God showed me these verses. He told me about how he used the foolish thing to confound the wise. That really helps. Because he says that God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. You want to know something? Man, I tell you what, I surely was a foolish thing in this world. I thought I had it all figured out. I was going to do it my way. I thought I had all the things. I, I knew the Bible. I'd taught the Bible lessons. Since I was a little kid, I knew all about them. I thought I had them figured out. You know what I found out? I was wrong on a lot of them. Oh, I knew the story, but I didn't know the principal purpose of what was behind it. <laughs> but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things that are mighty. I used to tell everybody, you know, that especially being a pastor, starting a church, and doing those kind of things, I said, I've got a strong back, I can work. I said that one time, and I felt God smite my heart. He did, man. He convicted me, and I thought, what was that? I didn't say it out loud, but I, I said it to somebody one time. I said, well, I can work. I got a strong back. Next day at work, man, I was lifting. It was only about 70 pounds, and another guy was on the other end, and I turned wrong. I'd never been to a chiropractor. I'd never been to a doctor. I still haven't been to a chiropractor. Lord, please don't let me go to a chiropractor. But I, I'd, never, I'd never been to a doctor for that kind of stuff. Never been to the hospital. Man, I felt it. It did something. And I had to lay that thing down. And we, I went on. Next day, it was all right. Next day. I got up and I said, oh boy, my boss told me, he says, you better go to the hospital, get that checked out. Said, I don't want to be liable for your messing up. I said, oh, I don't want to do that. You know how God is? I had a five pound, we got the five pound weight restriction. I couldn't even lift a, lift a gallon of milk. I went back to the doctor and I said, doc, you've got to lift this off of me. You can't, I can't do nothing. He says, well, that's the purpose. I said, you got to let me do something. He come back, he gave me a 10 pound. God showed me, he says, you know what? You have strength in your back because I put it there. Because I'm wiser than you. I don't make foolish statements. And you know what I said? You're right, God. I don't say that anymore. I got a strong back. I got a strong back if God allows me to have a strong back. If he doesn't allow me to have a strong back, then I don't. 
Why? Because the wisdom of God is greater than the wisdom of man. I thought I had a strong back, but I did not understand that my back only had strength because of God. And everything has to be to God's glory. Why is it this way? Why is it that it has to be so strenuous where man has to rely totally on God? Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in His presence. You know why no flesh can glory in the presence of God? Because this flesh is filled with sin. It's all about sin. This is, we don't take it to heaven. It can't go to heaven. It dies. It decays. You know all about that. It's because it's filled with sin. It can't glory. If this flesh could glory in front of God, then God wouldn't be God because He can't do that with sin. He, he has nothing to do with sin. He is holy. So therefore, we have to rely on the wisdom of God. Man can't claim nothing to his own. If you start doing that, you're lifting yourself in pride. And I know that steps on our ego. I know that. But oh, if God's going to do something with us, we've got to get to that place. Man's only glory is Jesus Christ. Verse 31, that according as is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Only glory is God. I have a strong back because of God. I have any intelligence that I would have because of God. Only because of Him. And therefore, because it's because of Him, I can only use it for Him. Or else it's wasted and I put it back under man's wisdom, and it comes to nothing. Now you might be here tonight, and you're sitting there going, hey, you know what? I do pretty good on my own. And you say, okay, I've got this under control. Here we go. I can, I can do enough good, I'll get into heaven. I'll be good enough, I'll get into heaven. <laughs> That's the wisdom of man. That's all the religions of the world. That's what they say. You just got to do enough good to get to heaven. That's as far as they can go. That They can't go any farther. But to go further, you're going to have to say, look, I can't, and I've got to go with the wisdom of God, which is Jesus Christ. He died for me on the cross because I can't save myself, and no one can. And there'll never be any options. You need to come to Christ if that's you tonight. There's many people here that say, hey, They'd be glad to take the Word of God and show you how you can know, how you can go past you. You've got to end at man's wisdom that says, I'll just do good enough. I'll just do good enough. I'll just do good. I'll just do. You've got to stop there and say, man's wisdom failed. It's ended. It comes to naught. It comes to destruction. It comes to division. And it does. You're going to be separated from God for eternity. And you've got to go to the place where you say, all right, I'm going to take Christ and just Him and the blood He shed on the cross. And that's man's wisdom. I mean, that's God's wisdom. And then salvation comes. You need that tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you'd say, you know what, preacher? And you're going to have to be honest. I, I don't know. God knows and you know how he smote your heart. But you're going to have to be honest and say, I've been doing it my way. I've been doing it how I want to. How I can concoct in my mind, I've been calling it faithfulness. And you want to know something? It's really not because I'm the one coming up with it. You're going to have to humble yourself before the Word of God and His wisdom and say, Lord, you're right, and I'm going to go with this. I'm not just going to go with me and this, just this. But to do that, you've got to have the courage to get on your knees before God. Say, I don't have to come to that altar to do that. If you're hindered from coming to the altar, God knows your hindrance and He knows if it's real or not. And so do you. If you can't walk, you can't get to it, I understand. But it doesn't matter if I understand or not. You know God knows. But if you're not hindered, 
come to that altar. You're at church tonight. That's why the altar's here. And that's why you're here. Is to use these altars. Why not come down here to this altar and say, Lord, just get honest with God tonight. I've sure been doing things my way. I've sure been mixing all that. You know, and it looks like it's working. But I know I'm mixing what I think and what you think and coming up with, because I don't go do the things that I should in the Word of God, and you know what they are. So why don't you come tonight and just get really clean with God? I guarantee you this, if you'll humble yourself to that place and use these altars like you should, and I know a lot of folks come to the altars of this church, and it's great, but if you will, God will show you His power and might. That's far different than what you can come up with. But it's all in your hands. It's all your decision. And what you decide not, it's not going to affect me in the least. It won't affect your neighbor or anything like that. But it could. If you'll choose God. Because His wisdom comes to the greatness of God. Your choice. Your choice. Let's stand. We're going to have a word of prayer, and if you need to come to Christ, if you're here and you're not saved, I'd ask you right now, just step out and come down here. And there'll be people meet you here. If you're, if you're not saved, you come down and tell me. There'll be people, I know there's folks all over, go get Brother Andrew or one of them, but you're going to have to have the courage to do it. Father, oh, how we... We just need to listen to you tonight. I know you're with us and I know you're here. And Father, we're so thankful for that. So Lord, please, God, help us not to be filled so with pride that we reject the Holy Spirit's moving on our heart or that we rely on the religion that's been created inside of us. Oh, that we'd be humbled tonight and, and desire you even as the heart panteth after the water brooks. Move on us here tonight. Have your way in this invitation, God. I know that you want us to repent. Help us to do that here tonight. Lord, if there's one hanging up that's not saved and they're just hung up right there in the pew, God, help them to break free and bind Satan away from every one of us. God, help us, please.